Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about life, culture, and politics in Israel. Hello, and welcome to the Massah Israel Conversation. I'm your host, Kalev Bendor, and I am joined by my friends, Matthew Lippman and Mike Unterberg. How are you both doing? All right, how are you doing, Kalev? Not bad. How are you, Mike? All right. Nice to see you. Yeah. Matthew, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Kalev. Very excited that you're hosting this today. Yeah, you don't sound very excited. I'm okay. super excited. Well, I'm that, very excited because it's our, although we're now changing formats, it's our first time back in uh, Engineer Ben's studio. So that's very exciting. Absolutely. We're in studio working together. It's very exciting. It sounds very professional. Yeah. So to remind everyone what, what we do is uh, both Mike and Matthew will be presenting different perspectives that they don't necessarily hold themselves. Uh, and today, what we're going to be talking about is the extent to which Israel... Kalev hates the word debate. <laughs> Discussion. Uh, Should we debate whether he hates the word debate? No, I think that's... I've, I've concluded. You are giving Ben more work <laughs> because he is going to have to cut this out. No, he's not. I'm going to leave it in. Oh, yeah. Anyway... As I was saying, I, I feel like this this sort of stuff you can only do when you're a big, hugely popular podcast. That's kind of when you can have this sort of shtick. Mm. We need to be sticking to sticking to the script, Mike. We are. This is the script. Anyway, so as I was saying, um, both Matthew and Mike will be presenting different perspectives. And today we're going to be talking about the question of to what extent should Israel try and have some sort of morally superior foreign policy, to what extent should it be unique, uh, or simply a normal country like all other countries? And I would say domestic policy also. Yeah, no? absolutely. Yeah. Domestic policy as well. Yeah, yeah. Kick off. And and to start, I found this really fascinating interview with uh, the great uh, Jewish philosopher Isaiah Berlin, where he's, where he's talking about his dream for the Zionist movement. And Berlin says as follows. He gets asked, what do you feel to be the goal of the country? And Berlin answers, normalization. That is the proper purpose of the Zionist movement. I'm not particularly interested when people say the Jews are a wonderful nation. They should be a source of light unto the nations. Maybe that would be nice, Berlin says, but I'm perfectly content if they're a nation like other nations. Not particularly distinguished. I sincerely hope they're marvellous, but even if they're not. And then he ends, he gets asked again, you know, do you, do you want a liberal democracy because it's a good thing, but not because it has anything to do with being Jewish? And Berlin says it's Jewish if it contains Jews, their habits, their values, their goals, their relationship to each other. And then he tells a story about this French philosopher who, who says this to Berlin, you're a Jew. The Jewish people probably have the most interesting history of any people that ever lived. And now you want to be Albania? He says to Berlin and Berlin says, yes, we do. But for our purposes, for Jews, Albania is a step forward. Now, we can perhaps debate what the metaphor of Albania means. We can perhaps discuss what the metaphor of Albania means. <laughs> but I want to throw this out to you. To, to what extent should Israel be an exceptional nation? Or is it just fine? No, it's, it's good enough for us just to be a nation like all the other nations. Mike, let's start with you. All right, so the the term so it's Albania versus Utopia is what we decided nice. to call it. Yeah, so I'm going to take the position that uh, I'm going to disagree with Isaiah Berlin and take the position that I think Israel should be exceptional. Now I understand that the goals of the early stages of the Zionist movement weren't 
to be exceptional. It was to, it was sort of a, a, as as you phrased it in the language uh, of Berlin's uh, interview. The idea is we will not. It's not we're, we're not asking for any special treatment because we're better than any other nation. We simply are not willing to accept anything less than any other nation. And since every nation has the right to self-rule in its homeland, we expect that from the community of nations. That's what the Zionist movement was fighting for, demanding, securing when it created the Jewish state. But underlying that, not as a demand from anybody else, not as a... Uh, a, a, a set of goals that we we require from the world around us, but simply for our own identity, our own identity, our own internal narrative has always been a nation that's exceptional. Whether you are a a practicing traditional Jew or a, a cultural Jew, wherever you stand on the spectrum of Jewish practice, you understand that our forming narrative is choosing Abraham to be the forefather of a nation who he will raise. Uh, Genesis, uh, I think it's eighteen seventeen. That's God says, "Tzedek u'mishpat." He will raise a nation of justice and righteousness. That he will be the forefather of a nation, and God says, "To be a blessing to other nations." And that idea of being a nation that's meant to be a blessing to other nations, I think, is central to our core identity. I, I by the way, <laughs> think this is what Albania should do also. In other words, I grew up in a country that portrayed itself as exceptional in its own. Well, of, of course it should. And was it really? Well, in some ways, every nation is exceptional in its own way. You know, think of it as like, uh, as a parent, I see my kids, uh, as a grandparent, I see my grandkids as exceptional. And they are. I'm right. But also, I understand that in a world, other parents and other grandparents see their kids and grandkids also as exceptional. I think that's right, too. You, we, we absolutely must see ourselves as, as exceptional. And as a, I, as a religious person, believe that this plugs into this, as a, as a religious Zionist, although I, the term is somewhat sullied of late, but to use the term in its broadest Abraham Isaac Cook meaning, that mission is of benefit to the world. In other words, part of being a universalist from this perspective is to be, uh, what's the opposite of universalist? Uh, particularist. A particularist. is, In other words, the perfection of us is what will lead to, it's that quote that's often associated with Gandhi, become the change you want to see in the world. I don't know who really said it, but that that idea of make the nation you want the world to be like, and they will meet you there. So that imagine a country like Israel, uh, let's say we don't have poor people anymore. Wouldn't the world beat down our door? They're already beating down our door to like drip irrigation and... Uh, I don't know, better dairy techno analysis technology, you know, start, you know, uh, uh, we're connected to the global economy as, as these innovators. But imagine if they were coming to us to say, how is it that you don't have drug abuse in your country? How is it you don't, how have you solved this, the problem of addiction? How did your country do that? And imagine the world beating down our door. Imagine nations saying, by the way, this really did happen. This literally happened. When the United States invaded Afghanistan and Iraq under the George Bush administration, the Pentagon sent American military experts to Israel to say, how do you fight urban warfare in the Middle East with such a low rate 
of civilian casualty. Now, that's weird to distinguish yourself as moral warriors because war, of course, is a brutal enterprise. But Israel has already begun to do that and holds itself. I, I think we must hold ourselves to a higher standard, not only because I, as a religious person, believe that that, w- that is meant to be healing to the world and will be, and I believe the overall endeavor will will help human civilization, just as the book we created thousands of years ago that the world calls the Bible has influenced every corner of human civilization, so too we can create a modern society that can also send out values that change the world as well. So I'm a big believer. I'm, I'm on the utopia side rather than the Albania side. So you, you talk about utopia. So if I had to summarize what, what you were saying, it would be, imagine there's no heaven. No. It's easy if you try. They may say you're a believer, but you're not Dreamer. the only one. Dreamer? Yeah. They may say you're a dreamer, yeah. but you're not the only one. Are you the only one? You're not the only I'm one. I'm not the only one, that's for sure. I think that there are elements of what Lenin described as utopia that are a bit pie in the sky for so me. Lenin or Lenin? Lenin. Lenin, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that song, uh, I think that lyrics is a little bit, uh, I mean, the lyrics are pretty Marxist, actually, so it could be either one. But uh, no, I, I, with, I, I think... I, I I believe that different nations and different are, are like different people and everybody in a team has something to contribute. So I do think that nations should express their individual character. And ours has something to do with, to use Ben-Gurion's term, uh, Ben-Gurion's, I apologize, Herzl's term, Theodore Herzl wrote that Zionism is a, is a, is, is an infinite, process that even once you achieve your holy land even once you achieve your state you you still have to reach for moral and spiritual perfection now that was his language which is striking from a very secular person moral and spiritual perfection and perfection i think any intelligent person understands that no human endeavor can reach perfection but that process that herzl said is in, is intrinsic to the zionist movement is to create a state of rich values that the world looks to, looks toward, learns from, and communicates with. Not that we're better, not that we're superior, not that we're elitist, but we have something to contribute a value to the conversation. And only by setting policies by our values will we achieve that. Lovely. So we're going to move away from from a Lenin-esque approach. Uh, Matthew. Okay. Um, thank you, Mike. I found that really interesting. Um, and I was taking some notes while you uh, uh, while you were speaking. Um, so I'm uh, arguing for Albania that that is what we should be aspiring to to be Albania, as uh, as I Berlin so uh, eloquently uh, put it there. Um, while I was listening to Kalev's Kalev reading the um, the quote from Isaiah Berlin, and then when I was listening to Mike, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, the, the, these are two very." Um, thought-provoking arguments right there's the one of wow we want to be albania and there's the one of wow we have a mission in the world and uh, as a people so i was thinking to myself well why did i make alia right i would describe myself as a zionist why did i make alia what what's important to me as somebody who lives in israel as an israeli citizen and honestly what's important to me is that i can raise my family here and that i can live here and be proud to be here proud to be an israeli um, which I am. I'm very proud to be an Israeli. And I think part of the pride of being an Israeli is, yeah, look at the state of Israel. The state of Israel is a normal country. 
Well, unless you've seen yeah. pe- unless you've seen people driving here or or something like that. But in theory, or we we are we're, we're like every other country in the world, and it, we have challenges, we have successes, and I think that that's something that we can be proud of. That we have, uh, no, we shouldn't be proud that we have uh, social inequality. Of course not. That's not something we should be proud of. I, I agree. That's something we should be striving to eradicate. On the other hand, the fact that we are a country that has those normal challenges almost to me tells us how far we've come that we can that we are now we're not just worried about surviving and we're not just worried about actually existing but we're actually we've moved on a level now we've moved on a level of wow we're confronting real societal challenges like other countries are dealing with other societal challenges to me that's a huge step towards being albania um some of the other things is i think as a jew um, on an individual level, I look to my Judaism to inspire me. To my, I look to my Judaism to guide me in the way to behave and the things that I want to do with my life. But that's not for everybody. And I certainly wouldn't want to be in a situation where we're trying to push the country in a direction where we're imposing on other people where they should look to their inspiration from. Um, and if we want to say that the country should be moving in a utopian society... There's obviously going to be disagreements about what utopia, what constitutes utopia, and also the process of getting to whatever that utopian society may be is also going to be uh, debated. Um, we can see. Uh, you mentioned before the term religious Zionism has become slightly sullied recently. I think we can see some of the conversations which are happening now around the Knesset of what is expected of the society. What are what are people going to be expected to do? that they may not want to be um, subject to, that there's clearly a a push um, towards a Jewish flavor or a Jew, more of a Jewish emphasis on the state. We see that the fact that Avi Maoz, for example, is now going to be our, our Jewish czar, and maybe that's not the right word, but our, our Jewish chief or whatever you want to call him. Um, and some people don't want that. They don't want either his brand of Judaism or any brand of Judaism to be pushing on them on what the country and on the direction the country should be going in. So I, I think we need to be moving and continue in our path as, as an Albania. Um, it's funny to, to, to use that as the country, but I, I do think that some of the greatest challenges that we have as a society can and will be solved by being Albania rather than by uh, being exceptional. Because if we're going to start doing this whole particularism well, which groups get that particularism? Which groups um, qualify for more particularism? Um, and that creates an even more unequal society. That creates, and I'm not just talking about socioeconomically or education. I'm talking about the, the whole society is not going to function cohesively if everybody's being given exceptions, which is where it seems to me that that whole Orlogoyim is moving to. Because you have the people that want to be Orlogoyim and the people... The light who, to the nation. Yeah, sorry, light to the nations. And you have the people who say... Okay, well, I I just want to wake up in the morning, go for a run, have a cup of coffee, and go to work. So, if people are going to be treated differently, that's going to create more of a um, a problem than than create a good thing. Um, and the one other thing that I wanted to say um, in terms of um, in terms of something that you said, Mike, which I found really interesting, um, is how other nations would perceive us. Right, that we want to be looked at as uh, the standard bearers for irrigation and the standard bearers for high tech and and those sorts of things. 
I would say that we are exactly the standard bearers for those things because we're Albania and not because we are Utopia. That you, an Albanian society <laughs> um, is looking to solve problems that affect society and we're trying to solve them in a way which is almost like civil society, right? There's a civil society problems as opposed to trying to take them up an extra notch, right? So for me, that whole utopian thing and that strife for perfection, because it's so unreal, the term perfection, and, and you acknowledge that perfection obviously isn't achievable, but the idea of perfection is almost something which is outside the realms of humanity. But as Albania, we're looking to solve human problems with human solutions and I think that's the, the direction that our country should be moving towards. So really, Matthew, in some ways what you're saying is, because you mentioned Avi Ma'oz as, as, the, as, the, as the Tsar. So really, if someone asked you if there's a blessing to make over the Tsar, <laughs> you would say, may God keep the Tsar Far away, Far away from, from us. <laughs> you know, I think our audience get the John Lennon reference. I don't know if they're going to get the Fiddler on the Roof reference. Oh, of course they are. Of course they are. Okay, here's hoping. So, Mike, I just wanted to uh, to, to uh, touch on something that you said about the about kind of the particularism and the exceptionalism, because you mentioned that when you were growing up, which granted was a fair amount of time ago. Oh, so long ago. Uh, America was seen as exceptional. But actually, we, we've had two presidents since then from very, very different sides of the aisle, both of whom in their own way pushed back against that. So one, one was Obama, who was very clear, didn't want America be, to be seen as exceptional. I mean, he said he did. Okay. Uh, well, we certainly have someone like Trump. One, well, I think, you know, there's so many, um, got to be careful, I guess, so many super interesting things that Trump said. One of them was when he had this interview, I can't remember with who, when he was talking about Putin. And and the interviewer said, do you remember this? He said, yeah, it was Joe Scarborough. Right. He said, said Putin kills journalists. He and, said, Putin's a killer. And Trump said, we're also killers. And we're, yeah, and we're not killers. Uh, and I, I think this, you know, so I'm just, I'm wondering your take, not on Israel, but on, in terms of America, of this, is there a movement away in some ways from, is exceptionalism now seen as something that people shouldn't be striving for? And if if that is the case, kind of, why do you think it is? It could be. I, I do think there is a, a, a modern spirit. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to explain the thinking of either Barack Obama or Donald Trump. I don't, I don't claim to be an expert on their mindsets, but I will say that I, I do think there is something uh, among, and I see it with many of my students in their generation, there's this sense that universalism is superior to uh, particularism, that there's a moral superiority to it. And to me, that always, I mean, you're, you're, you're sort of tongue-in-cheek bringing up John Lennon, but to me, the flaw of the the reason that communist societies never work is that it is because by focusing on the collective at the expense of the individual leads to unjust societies and i think that a moral philosophy that doesn't recognize that individuals matter an idea which very arguably comes from us comes from judaism that this that that the democracy comes from the Greeks as a system, but the idea of human individual in value and liberty in the image of God is, is, is really something our people brought into the world. If you think of the collective at the expense of the individual, you're going to end up with not a nation of righteousness and justice. You're going to end up with an unjust, unfair, unbalanced society. In, the, in, in global civilization, which we, we, we live in a very global 
society now uh, in a way, in ways that are, we've lived in global communities before as a world, but never like this, quite like this, at this speed, at this interconnectivity. To ignore the identities of nations, of national cultures, the distinctness, the beauty of each culture. You know, I'm not a big traveler, but my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Italy this summer to travel and see another. Now, I, I'm not I'm not there as a nomad. I'm not wandering and saying, hey, maybe I'll be Italian. I know who I am. I'm a, a born in America and Israeli Jew. I know who I am. But to experience that culture and meet people from there and talk to them, it's a beautiful thing. You, you learn more about your humanity when you meet each individual culture. And I think preserving those national cultures is something that this universalist approach to morality is getting pushed back against. I think, and I'm not certainly going to, I'm definitely not going to defend fascist right-wing movements in countries like France or Hungary or or Poland. But part of what that is is, and, and, and the reason these politicians are having success is because people are naturally saying, well, what about my culture? What about my society? What about my identity? What about American culture as I understand? Why do I have to be embarrassed by that? Why can't I be a proud patriot? And so I don't see patriotism as morally inferior. I see it as health. It, of course, you have to be universalist, but the best way to a healthy universalism is, is, is individual particular nations achieving their best, just as a healthy society, a community, is the community is important by making each individual be able to express who they are. So I, I, I reject the the dichotomy. I reject the the distinction. I think each nation should see itself as exceptional in its own way, and try to achieve who they are as their best. Without kind of being based around the the tzedek mishpat, the righteousness and and justice. I would like them to find their own expressions of righteousness and justice, but it's not my place to judge how they choose to express their national identities. Uh, I'm not going to tell China that they that no, they're ours. Ours, yeah. ours has to be righteousness and justice, no question, no question. Which is why it frustrates me, and th and that's why I I, I reject uh, Matthew's formulation that this has something to do with you know making Jews more Sabbath observant or or making LGBTQ people feel less part of society. I, I actually think it's the, I think that righteousness and justice as the core Jewish concept, and these are things that the Bible, I mean, this is what Isaiah and, and Amos and Hosea and Jeremiah are all screaming about. You know, you're so worried about the ritual things that you're, you're stepping over a homeless guy to bring your sacrifice at the temple. Like you're, you're missing the center and 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 so I would argue that if we have a czar for Jewish identity, he should be starting that war on poverty, or or, or addiction, or inequality, or or whatever whatever it is, that that's that's where we should turn our focus as Jews. And so it's it's those it's those. By the way, they're not as uni we call these universal values. They are not. They are not. Sixty percent of the world humans do not live in free countries. There isn't freedom and democracy and human rights around the world. There isn't. So so that is something that we should be exemplars of. When you, I, when you do well, when you do good, and if we can build a nation that is good and does well, that's the mission. The Bible gives you a, a glimmer of it. When the Queen of Sheba visits Solomon, you have, made, you have done well by doing good. How do you do it? She wasn't there for spiritual enlightenment. How does your country work so well? How are you so successful? And so, so that's what I'm fighting for. I, I don't think that means, and, and that means the whole nation. It doesn't mean that the religious or any form of religiosity gets a superiority 
or or, or a free. No, no, no. I believe a, a nation a nation of millions of people have many different identities and many different approaches. That conversation in a democracy is what leads to to exceptional truth and justice and righteousness. So, Matthew, just before we get to your uh, concluding remarks, I, th I think what I think what's interesting for me is that on the one hand, you could absolutely argue that after all the Jews have gone through in terms of having to move from place to place, um, often, often being uh, humiliated, uh, becoming victims, perhaps the idea of just having a country where, as you said, people can just get up in the morning and feel relatively safe, that is a huge achievement. Yet on the other hand, is it not just a bit chaval? Is it not just a bit of a shame if that's kind of all it is? I think you didn't ask the bit of the question, which I think is where, where you want to ask is, so if, should we not take advantage of the fact that we can do those things? Is well, that... just, I mean, just to go back to Berlin, I, I think what Berlin is saying is that actually, yeah. It, it, it... Not, you don't want to go back to Berlin. <laughs> I don't want to go back to Berlin. I would like to return <laughs> to, to the, philosopher the great Isaiah. philosopher of Isaiah Berlin from Riga. That A pretty readable philosopher, by the way. Those don't always go together. That is I would true. argue, yeah. Okay, no need to show good. off. No need no, to show off. Obviously, we're, obviously, we've all read I want many listen. of you know. I have the, it. I read his. Uh, I read the, the, uh, the, the fox the and the hedgehog. Or was no, it the, the, or was it the fox and the hound? Or was that something else? No, no, no. <laughs> he wrote this book of different about uh, just uh, portraits of different people he met. What Russian thinkers? No, not impressions. Russian personalities. I think it's called something like that. I think somebody labeled him the cleverest man in Britain at one point. He, I don't. I just don't know that our listeners have experienced Isaiah Berlin, and I, I think they should. I absolutely think they should as well. Please go out to your nearest bookstore. No one buys books in bookstores anymore. Uh, anyway, I think what Berlin says is that, yeah, it, it, it would be great, but actually, in some ways, like Dayenu, like it's enough. It's enough if it's if it's not. It's enough if it's just like everywhere else. I'm kind of interested in your your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. It is. <laughs> I do think it's. I, I do think it's enough with everything that we we've gone through, as you say, as a Jewish people, um, everything that this country has gone through um, in its short history. If we could just wake up in the morning and have security and have uh, an opportunity to be normal, kids go to school, people go to work, and just have that, that's amazing. That is truly, truly amazing. As you say to. This morning, for example, in, in one of my classes, we were talking about um, the Jews who were expelled from Mizrahi countries, right? expelled from Iraq and places like that. And we were talking about what that does to the mindset of a group of people. Right? So if we think about we've had that, that, that experience, and then as Jews, we had experience from Europe and all the other places around the world where Jews have either been expelled from, humiliated, as you said before, just to be normal. We, it's not that we want to even... Um, be accepted to be like those people, right? We're not looking to be thought of as like the French Jews as being totally French. That's not what we're looking for. We want to be Jewish, but we want to have a Jewish normalcy, right? That, that's what we want. Um, and I think that, yes, if you want to call it Diana, fine, but Diana doesn't have to be a negative thing. Be, wow, it's amazing. Well, we in the Haggadah, it's not. Right. It's, it's actually a very positive thing. Except that in the Haggadah, it's Diana to require gratitude. In other words, there is an infinite... There, 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 the, 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 qualif the qualifier to demand gratitude is infinitely small. It could be the smallest thing, and I have to say thank you. So even if it's something that is in and of itself unsatisfactory, I still have to say thank you for the benefit. But uh, 
I don't think in terms of personal achievement, Dayenu is a Jewish value of, well, once you did that, that's good enough. You're okay. See, I, I would disagree because I think if you compare it to where we've come from and everything that we've gone through, the fact that we could, again, that we can be a normal country and have normal challenges and normal successes, yeah, let's do it. I would absolutely say, Dayenu, I, I, I would be happy. And compared to where we're coming from, compared to where potentially we could be going, I think if we can go along the lines of a country that recognizes that we have challenges, but that we can solve many of those challenges, not all of them, um, then I think that's amazing. And that, that, Would you consider that a good message that parents give their kids? Like, once you're good enough, that's fine. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I, Mike, the, and the, I think the, pushing children too far is a dangerous of thing. Of course. But the, analogy, a, a, the analogy I, I, would be a very... And I'm just making this up on the spot. So it may not be a hundred percent accurate analogy. A a child who has a had a very very troubled mm-hmm. upbringing, mm-hmm. who um, was 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 thrown out of school, had all of these issues, who then becomes like one of the other normal kids. In that sort of situation, I think the parents actually would be very excited. That's true because it could be exceptional. The question is. Has at that point the child reached their full potential? And I think the question for any good parent or educator is, what can I do to help this individual bring out their fullest potential? I don't think normalcy is the full potential of this nation, of this state, of this mission, of this process. I had I had an educational mentor back when I was young, Michael Fredman, still an educator here in Israel now. But he once said to us, we were, we were working on different educational programs, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, if what we do at the end of the day is good, then we did a bad job. Because just getting together and doing it is going to be good. If it's excellent, that means we did a good job. That means we put thought and preparation and, and problem solving and creativity and all the, we really, if, if we just do it and say done, uh, you're missing what could have been. You're missing the potential that you didn't unlock. And until I'm satisfied that the potential is unlocked, uh, I think we should be striving for it. And of course, Matthew, of course you can create neurosis by an over-demand. Of course you're right that perfection is unachievable. The word utopia means no place, right? Is it Thomas? Who wrote it? Thomas More? Utopia? I, I just re- read Isaiah Berlin. I, I, don't, I don't know anyone <laughs> a full, else. A complete Isaiah Berlin diet. No, I, I, I mean, of course it's unachievable. but to, And maybe it's tragic that reaching perfection is impossible, but to give up the struggle would make life meaningless, I think. To be satisfied with maybe mediocrity, but, but just normalcy. Like, oh, we did it. Okay, so we're a normal country. Of course we have terrible... Uh, human sex trafficking and sex work problem. Okay. But that's what normal nations have. Of course we have minority issues here, that there's I, injustice. I, that's okay. That All nations have that. That's okay. I, I do think that we should strive, but I think that striving is part of normalcy, right? Like I, I think we should always strive to be better as a nation or as an individual. So, okay. But I, I think that's part of a normal process. Um, and I think comparing... Yeah, I, I just. I wish. I wish I agreed with you. Okay. Well, if you agreed with him, then this 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 wouldn't be a good pod. This wouldn't be an excellent podcast. It might not even be a good podcast. And it, it definitely wouldn't be, be a debate. It, it certainly would not be a debate. Nor would might it or even as be a discussion. Or as Khalid prefers to call it, exactly. Discussion. Well, we're out as of long time. As long as it's a D word. 
So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Matthew, Mike, thank you so much. We look thank forward you. to a meeting again soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. In everything we do, we hope to connect our fellows to Israel as home, that our Massah fellows will feel at home in Israel and understand more about Israel in all of its diversity. We connect our fellows to Jewish peoplehood, to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people. The connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development. And in the case of this podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful to.